Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Welcome to The Last New Wave, the podcast that looks at the wide and varied landscape of entertainment that is Australian cinema. On this particular episode, I'm joined by Red Billabong writer and director Luke Spark. We talk about the upcoming Australian monster film, which is due in cinemas August 25 and is having Q&A sessions around the country as we speak. Make sure to hit up the website redbillabongmovie.com to see when there is a Q&A session near you. And make sure to check out the film when it hits cinemas August 25. For now, let's listen to the trailer and then we'll be back with the interview with Luke Spark. I was thinking before, do you remember the time when I saved you? All I saw was you flying down the back steps, jumping on the biggest kid's shoulders and just smashing him in the side of the head. And then I grabbed that cricket bat and just started smashing everyone. You, know, you always had a lot of fight in you. Yeah. What was that? So... A couple of days ago, I get a letter from Grandad. Here we go. It's marked about a month before he died. Dear Tristan and Nick, I hope this letter finds you well. I made sure you get this letter to know my dying wish, and that my acres of land are given to the local Aboriginal tribe. Right, so what's your problem? There's this local developer. He wants to buy the land off me. You know the land here, it's, it, it's sacred to us. This stuff with Tristan, it's done. He's out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Been a long time. Sure has. And now the party's getting started. Back in the scene. What did you do? The guy's up to something. We gotta get out of here. Jesus, quiet. Yeah, well, it's country. It's supposed to be quiet. Uh, I mean, this is really quiet. It's never this quiet. like to be rich. So do your job. This is it now. This is you. Why does Richards want the land? So we can what? Capture it? Sell tickets? You expect me to believe this fantasy story that you... Not fantasy, miss. It's reality. It's good one. Girls, you're the bait. We'll see you there. Are you kidding me? I'm not leaving you like this. Please. Where's the final girl? <laughs> I know what I said, Tristan. Jesus, you're not gonna bite his head off. 
Welcome to The Last New Wave, and this time I'm joined by Luke Spark, who's the director of the new creature feature, Australian creature feature, Red Billabong. Uh, welcome, Luke. Hello, welcome. Welcome to everyone. Uh, thanks for joining us again. I really appreciate thanks. it. Um, so we'll start off with the, the main question. What is Red Billabong about? And can you tell the listeners a, a little bit about that? they may not have gotten from the trailer, which is a really exciting trailer as well. It's hard. Like, I, I cut, I've cut all the trailers for this movie personally myself, um, not only because we're an independent film, but also because I love movie trailers and I'm watching movie trailers like 24-7 all the time. Um, so speaking of trailers, uh, <laughs> it's funny because like, like the trailers, like when people left the premiere, they were like, oh, wow, this, the trailers didn't re- – like the, people think that the trailers give something away, but they kind of – they don't in a way like they give you just away enough of what I wanted to tell but people walked out going that's a different movie than what I thought in, in a good way not in a bad way um, so I guess something that's not in the trailers I don't know like pretty much in the trailers kind of what I want people to know that there's two brothers <laughs> two brothers in the farmhouse uh, one of them comes back out to find out you know what is going on with the with the property from his uh, granddad's legacy and uh, a bunch of other people rock up and then uh uh, can I swear? You can this? swear. Go for it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, and and then shit really gets real, and shit goes, out and a lot of shit goes down. And by the end of it, you're sitting there going, "What the hell am I watching?" And uh, it just gets into this whole crazy mashup of genres. Um, and uh, yeah, and you kind of end thinking, "Okay, that's a bunch <laughs> of stuff that happened." <laughs> that's not what I expected. <laughs> so you had the premiere the other night, and. How did it go? I mean, I saw the the pictures on Facebook and it looked uh, it looked great, and kind of wish I was there. But um, yeah, it looked like it, it was a great time. So how did it, how was the reaction from everybody, and and how did it go on the night? Yeah, I mean, look, we had a good we had a good cross selection of um, obviously family and friends of the cast and that, so they're always going to be biased. Um, but we had we had we had some bloggers in the audience and a few reviews are trickling out on, on Facebook today, which has been interesting to read, and they're all very positive, which is obviously great to hear. Um, but yeah, I mean, huge crowd reaction. The hardest part to get right in films is comedy, and everyone laughed when they meant to laugh because this film trailers don't again don't show it off. The film is pretty funny, like um, it's not meant to be a comedy, but I, I want to ingest you know there's like a comedy relief guy in there, you know the same yeah. old thing, but. but um, but they everyone laughed when they're supposed to. Everyone got you know a little frightened when they're supposed to, and at the end, at the end, it was a huge you know standing ovation and that. So that's all we can ask for, really. So it was good. Well, that's the main thing, yeah. If it, if it gets the reaction that you're you're hoping for, then that's really exciting. And uh, we'll talk more at the end about where other people can around Australia can catch the film. But I'm certainly looking forward to catching it when it hits Perth in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, really, Great. really excited for it. Um, so this is your first feature film. So how yes. did you find writing and filming it and directing it? <clears throat> That's a really big question because I could go, <laughs> I, I could go on forever. So please stop me if I start raving. Um, look, I started writing this back in two thousand and seven uh, when I was working on um, like other shows behind the scenes um, doing costume props and that's that's my background. I always worked in the film industry behind the scenes. Uh, I've always wanted to be a director and a writer, so I took. Um, being on film sets as one big apprenticeship and watched and learned everything I possibly could. Uh, so I started writing it back then and then, you know, walked away, came back, walked away. Things change, genres change, audience um, expectations of cinema changes. Um, so I was just doodling here and there when I could. 
Um, and then in 2010 or 2011, uh, I got offered another big Australian film to work on. But at the same time, I had offers of possible finance for this film. So I really had to make a decision of which way I would go. I obviously went this way um, and I had to back myself the rest of the way. So writing it um, was obviously interesting in that respect. Um, and then I put my head down, tail up and just wrote it. And I wrote it in a way like there's the sort of two, two trains of thought with script writing. You, know, you sort of know where you're going and in the end of the film and, and structure it so you, your characters end up where you want them to end up or you just write and find out kind of as you go what happens even in your own head. And that's the way I wrote Red Billabong. So it was very exciting to sit down and not really know where it's going to end up. Um, I kind of had an idea. But, um, you know, throughout the film, I just keep throwing these spanners of, and now we're going to turn left, and then we're going to turn right, and he's sort of just going all over the place. Um, so that was fun. Filming it was a whole different story. Um, it was, you know, an independent film, completely 100% independent, no support from anyone. I financed it all myself through family, friends, private investors. Uh, so that was obviously a huge burden on my shoulders to do all that and write and direct it. But yeah. at, the same time, at the same time, being on set and having myself 100% complete control was kind of scary but also um, obviously a lot more uh, validifying because I could just make a decision on the day and there's no one behind me, no studio, no government body to say no that's not that's not how you do things so I just sort of made it up as I went along so people liked the comedy relief, um, Ben Chisholm in the film, uh, Tim Pocock, uh, a lot of that was us workshopping it like before shooting and also on the set you know just uh, taking actors aside and saying, hey, why don't you say this next time and see what the, the other guys cast come back with. So luckily the cast were really uh, on top of things and really knew their character and, and liked to ad-lib. So I was able to inject a whole lot of uh, improv, uh, um, in, improv in the film, which is really fun. That's good, yeah. And it also, yeah. I guess, uh, being the, the writer and director and uh, you know having the financing for you know self-finance, I guess, is both freeing and difficult in a way um because you know as you're saying you get to make decisions on the day as to what you want to to change up a little bit which is i can imagine would be quite good as a as a writer director to be able to do um you with the the monster design we'll we'll touch on that for a moment this is a completely cgi monster so what what led you down that path of deciding to film a completely CGI visual effects monster that wasn't there on the day? That's a that's a big thing. Yeah. It's a yeah yeah. Uh, it, it, it sounds really good in theory when I sit back and say, uh, you know, "I'm going to do it all CGI." And, then, <laughs> and 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 then I walked into the uh, the, the post production house and they're like, yeah, "This is really cool," and I had a really good meeting. And then they said, "And here's the bill," and I was like, "Oh my god, that <laughs> that that's a lot of money." Um, but uh, look, some parts we built practically. I'm, I'm a huge fan of practical effects. I mean, the, the whole film is basically like a love letter, not to only like Australia and Australian films, but a love letter to my favourite films, which are like 80s and 90s mm. you know, action films. So, um, you know, Aliens and that, like, I, I love the whole practical effects. But for what I wanted this guy to do, it just wasn't possible. Yeah. And when you see the film, you'll, you'll understand. Um so we built as much as we can, which kind of wasn't much, but it still was okay. And even then, I had to go back and sort of unfortunately redo a few of those practical effects as CG effects because 
if you're going to go practical, you kind of want to go and get like the Stan Winston people because they're like amazing. Yeah. And for our budget, we didn't have the Stan. We had some really talented people here in Australia doing it for what they could do. So when we got uh, once it was finished, I was like, oh, that doesn't. That's just not working. So we have to go and replace that with a with a VFX shot. Mm. Um, so that's why it's taken so long to get the VFX right. And even even now, they're still frantically trying to take on a few notes that I gave them after the premiere. Uh, so they're still, they're, they're still going right into release. But independent film, what are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, so it was, yeah, a, a big discussion of how to do it. Uh, we had the VFX guys punch out like a hundred different uh, – I, I gave them my original sketch um, and then they punched out like a hundred different sketches, all these different looking, you know, things – um, and then on the wall, and then I sort of picked, you know, ten of them, and then they sort of combined. I said, I like the head, I like the arms, I like the feet, I like the whatever. Um, so then they combined it all together, and then started doing it. So, you know, I'm a really collaborative sort of person. Uh, so I let everyone sort of have their say, and you have to with artists because I'm an artist myself, and I know how it feels when someone says you must do it this way, and you sort of get all, you know, cramped up. So I, I let them, I let them go, and then you know they kept giving me sketches and designs and tweaking them and. Then they sent me through two final ones, and then I picked picked the one we went with. So, I mean, I'm a huge fan. I said of '80s movie Star Wars. So to do my own movie and picking all these visual effect monsters and that it was it was awesome. Like it was it was daunting having these people around, you know, paying them myself. But in my mind, every day I was like, "This is awesome." <laughs> well, the the shots that I've seen of the monsters so far, it looks really great, and I really can't wait to see it in the actual film because. Well, the thing, yeah, the the thing is, in Australia, there's so few monster films, and I I did wonder, like when I saw this film get announced, and I was like, wow, this is a this has a, a monster in it. This is exciting. Mm. What inspired you to tell a monster film in Australia? Besides the fact of of course the the inspiration of the 80s and 90s films. Yeah, yeah. I mean, touching quickly again on the trailer. Uh, a lot of people have been saying, oh, you shouldn't have shown the monster in the trailer, you shouldn't have shown the monster in the trailer. And because I, I love trailers and I love things like The Force Awakens, how they didn't yeah. feel anything really at all before we walked in. Um, you know, we had, at the other end of the spectrum, I had a lot of, you know, uh, focus groups and other other people come up to us and they're like, oh, I bet you, you know, it's an Australian film, there'll be no monster, it'll turn out to be something else, there'll be nothing. So I was like, well, I'm going to have to show our distribution people and that were like, you're going to have to show something. Yeah. Just people like, it is there. And I picked three quick shots and as people said on the night, it's like it doesn't really reveal anything else of the movie. But um, uh, the reason why I wanted to make a monster movie is, uh, you know, I've, I said I've always wanted to be a director. I've got like, I've got like seven other feature film scripts because I just write all the time because I love stories and I love writing. Um, and I was trying to get up another another film like an, an, an epic World War One picture called the Thirty Fourth Battalion. Sure. Um, I was trying, we're trying for a couple of years and trying and trying and trying. Being a first-time feature film director isn't an easy thing to convince people to do. So I sort of had to say, you know what, I'll come back to this because it really needs that story needs to be told. But yeah. um, I had this other script, this little one that I'd had like written halfway through in 2007, um, and I pulled that back out and I said, well, this feels achievable. This feels like we could get the money and and do this ourselves. Um, and the reason why it was a monster is because I wanted to give myself a bit of a different mark. As my first film, a lot of first filmmakers, because of the situation that we're all in, have to go and make like a kitchen sink drama or something, you know, really um, emotional and uh, deep and meaningful to try to get on the on the, on the film circuits, you know, the, the, the film festival circuits and that to get their name out there. But I thought, you know what, I 
I want to make action movies, and that's all I really want to do in my life. Like, I, yeah. I, I want, make, I, I want to make good movies, but that, that's just my mantra, and there's no point trying to go around that. Um, so I look back on the mythology of Australia and thought, what hasn't been done, and what can I do, and what's interesting? And when this particular creature name came up, uh, which I'm sure everyone's guessed, but you have to go wait and see. Um, <laughs> uh, I was like, well, why hasn't this been done before in in a big way? And like I said, it seemed easy at the time to write this whole big story. And the original script was like 200 pages, so I had to like cut a whole lot out. So I've got ideas for, if this film goes well, future chapters. Um, and then I had to say, you know, whittle that down to this is what we're going to tell and this is how he's going to look and this is how he's going to sound. So that's why a lot of the film is uh, the first half is a bit of a slow burn and you sort of build up and then the end is just crazy because he's there everywhere and, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Uh- Really excited because, yeah, as you're saying, like, it, I mean, I, I rewatched Razorback the other night, and that really is the last sort of monster film that I can think of in Australia, and that's been, you know, over ten years. So it's it's exciting to see. Yeah, over over, over twenty years. Yeah, like, like 1984. It's like the year I was. You know, it's like, uh, um, yeah, I, I actually rewatched it the other day as well, and I remember as a kid watching it on on Beta. Um, yeah. And uh, I watched it again recently, and I was like, "Okay, this is not how I remember it. This is not aged well. <laughs> it's it, it, it's it's still a classic." But I was like, "Okay," because um, people have mentioned Razorback to me as well, so I, I rewatched it for that reason. Uh, so yeah, it, it, it is kind of the last one that Australia's made. I, I mean, there's been Rogue, yeah, yep. the, the crocodile movie, um, and and you know, and I'm a big fan of, of Greg Greg McLean and uh, and what he did with Wolf Creek and and, and Rogue. Mm. Um, unfortunately, Rogue. Yeah, I don't know if it found an audience. I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, I wish it did because it's a great yeah, film. Yeah, it is. It's really good. And like, and and in the end, you know, there's that. There's the Crocker CG. So I couldn't say our film is the very first CG creature because there's been ones like that, and there's been some CG work in like the reef with the shark. Oh yeah. Um, so I always sort of say you, you've seen a you've seen a pig, you've seen a shark, you've seen a crocodile, but you ain't seen my guy yet. Um, because he is like you know the first kind of visual effect like made up you know creation yeah like yeah yeah here in Australia so it's yeah. it's, it's interesting and and that's the thing as you're saying it's it, it's not a pig it's not a shark and that's that to me as a film goer is exciting to see um, so of course this is an Australian film and reading a bit of the the synopsis and the history of of you're talking about the film as well. You, you've mentioned that there's a bit of Australian mythology and Indigenous themes within the story here. How important was that to you to showcase that here? Yeah, it was it was hugely important. Um, that was something that I made sure that I tried to get as right as I possibly could. I um, you know, rang up and talked to and went out and met a few Indigenous um, Indigenous groups and made sure that I was doing it in the correct way that didn't you know, offend anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so luckily, I was luckily I, I wasn't. I didn't have to change anything uh, because you know it's it's based on legends. It's also you know um, white European settlers also knew of this particular legend and they would talk about it as well. And even up until you know quite you know in, in, into the 20th century, it's still been around. So it's not just a indigenous legend, but it is heavily influenced by it, especially in this film. Um, so I talked to them, and then when I cast Greg Fryer to play the Aboriginal uh, Mr. Garvey in the film, mm-hmm. uh, he also was every weekend basically going down to el- elder groups and talking to them of what we were doing, and he came back and reported that everyone was very happy and all the 
you know, he would do little, you know, little things at the start of the day to make sure that the spirits in that were all, um, you know, correct and and that. So that was all very interesting and uh, making sure we got that right. And I and I work with him a lot, and he he's just really excited to, um, you know, bring a sort of their culture into an action film, sort of geared toward younger people and done in an exciting way, and not want something that's going to sit there and like, you know, preach to them. It's just, it's just there, and I think a lot of people also mentioned to me the other night after the premiere that I don't really make a big thing about it being an Aboriginal as well. Like the mm. Aboriginals, like Greg's just there as an actor. No one, he doesn't rock up and go, "Guess what, kids? I'm an Aboriginal." <laughs> it's like, it's like, because that's how I, that's how I, like, I'm not a racist person at all. Like I, I just look at people as they are. So that's yeah. how I've written it. Like, people are just people. So uh, I think, um, but it's funny hearing people say it to me because I don't see it any other way. So I was like. Yeah, that's what people are. You know, like so. It's interesting that whole aspect of it. Um, so yeah, it's been good. And and that's a fair representation of Australia as well. It's you know we that's who we are as a, in as a country in Australia. We're we're not just um, you know we we are multicultural. So yeah. Um, regarding the cast as well, how did you go about casting the film and auditioning for the roles? Did you have anybody specifically in mind for characters at all, or? Uh, to be honest, no. Um, I try not to when I write scripts. Sometimes it does happen, especially when you're a writer-director. You sort of write something and you look back and you'd be like, I know the perfect guy for that. Uh, there, was, there, was, there was one guy. Um, I really wanted Felix Williamson. I, I loved him in, from you know, Farscape and Underbelly and yes. a bunch of other things. And when, when I wrote that role, I was like, it would be great like, to, be, to be him. I sort of wrote it with him in mind um, with the, the dialogue and that. So when he said yes, I was like, great. Um, <laughs> Every everyone else, I didn't really have in mind uh, because again, independent film. Uh, I didn't have a casting director, so I cast it all myself, um, which is again a, a bit freeing because cast, certain casting directors have their own. Everyone has their own agenda in life, so yeah. um, it was great to be able just to go out there and just have free range of whoever I really wanted to go and ask. Um, so yeah, we just made a list of, of people, especially for the two brothers of uh, you know who who we could get that. Uh, are not only great actors, but might have a bit of a fan base that we could also tap into and just not have a film released with absolutely no-name cast because that doesn't get you anywhere these days. Um, so, you know, having Dan... Dan was, like, first, second on our list. Um, and uh, and me and him Skyped, and we had a good chat, and he's a big fan of the 80s movies as well, like Predator and Aliens and that. So it was great to be able to walk up to him on set and just say, you know, like that scene in this movie in the 80s? And he'd be like, oh, yeah, get it straight away. <laughs> Um, and Tim was actually the last person I cast because that role for the younger brother is like so important in the film. Um, we had some sort of other actors' names kicking around and, and different things going out, but uh, I was so glad to get Tim because he took the whole film, he took his character in such a different direction than what was originally scripted, which is so much for the better that you know I'm always thankful for that happening. The girls, uh, I'd, I'd worked with Sophie on a TV show I directed just before we did Robillabon, and... Uh, that's the first time I worked with her, and I said to her on the day, you would be really great for this role in this movie got coming up. And she came and auditioned for the producers, and uh, we gave it to her. And the other girls, yeah, we just sort of met around and uh, just, yeah, just also fell into place. Well, it looks like a great cast, and you know, I keep on repeating this, but I'm excited to see what, what they do in the, the film. Because for me, at least, I, yes, it's nice to see name people and stuff like that, but... As somebody who likes to support Australian cinema, I do enjoy seeing, uh, 
you know, unfamiliar faces on screen. So I'm really excited about yeah, that. And, yeah, and, and the girls have a very important role in the film. It's not really shown in the trailers, but they're actually quite important to the plot. Uh, so they're not just there to be uh, token hotties or, or anything else. They, uh, they, they definitely have a whole thing throughout the film that, that drives it. I mean, as I said before, there's, there's, there's a few themes in the film. There's the, the, the indigenous aspect uh, the, the mythological mythology, and then you've got the sort of family with the brothers, and the sort of sins of the father and sins of the grandfather, and all the sort of the legacy of the family that can roll over from generation to generation. You've got the comic relief in BJ, who's played by Ben Chisholm, who's just a douchebag that treats women, <laughs> treat, treats women terribly, and uh, you know the sort of what happens to him at the end of the film is, uh, you know, kind of all these different themes that are going on but nothing really in your face because I wanted to make it like a 90s film like Independence Day or or Predator and Aliens where you know everyone's got everyone has an arc everyone has a little moment and it's just kind of like the big expanded cast like the old 70s earthquake movies where there's every, you know there's lots of cast everyone has a moment and at the end it's just it's fun it's just a fun movie that, that's what I wanted to make that's the main thing yeah and you know as you were saying before it, it does feel like in a way, for first-time directors in Australia, there, there is a bit of a rite of passage in the sense that oh, you've got to do your drama film and stuff like that. So it is exciting to see something that is outside the norm. That is, you know, it's it looks exciting. To- yeah, thanks. I mean, it's funny because like started off as this little monster movie and now it's sort of expanded a little bit. And uh, I always sort of sit there and be like, oh god, I hope people are, you know, going to be okay with this because you know we did do it completely independently so like i said the reactions so far have been good but it freaks me out that there's kind of this much uh buzz around the film uh and it's just like one little guy sitting here at the computer going yay I made it. <laughs> oh it's good it's good and it's you know as as hard as it is to i'm sure it is it's very difficult to you know stump up the budget on your own um it is great to see that you know with the the support of the the internet i guess is the best way of putting it that you know it's it's easier to get films aware you know audiences aware of your films in a way um with that in mind what's the release plan for domestically in australia and looking forward internationally as well yeah so the release so we've got so we're still booking cinemas right now so all i can say is that it's going to be a complete national release uh through every state on the 25th um yeah like we're just it's again independent film. Uh, a lot of you know, all the big chains wanted to see how the reaction went on the premiere night and mm-hmm. see all that kind of first before they uh, sort of lock it all in. But we've got tentative bookings all over the place, uh, so it should expand out to well over you know 100, 150 screens Great. at least at least straight away, which is a big you know which is a big thing for an independent film. Queensland's basically done, which is exciting. Uh, the you know the IMAX theater in in Brisbane in the main main theater in the Brisbane has um has picked it up in that so that's wow. that's that's exciting for me because that's my that's where I go all the time so I was like yay <laughs> um, and and the Sunshine Coast and like all around Gold Coast and Brisbane and that's also done so it's just the rest of the state so we're just yeah we're literally still it's going to be a bit of a rush to the finish but hopefully then it you know goes well and then other people can pick it up for the next few weeks and expand out yeah. So, you know, we're trying to do as big as we can, but at the same time also focusing on certain areas with the bigger chains so we can funnel people to a particular cinema because I would hate the film to go out to 400 screens and have 20 people in each cinema and then it's going to, you know, act, you know it's going to look like we don't actually have an audience. So I'd rather 
you know get less first and focus on getting the audience in there. Yeah. So I really hope Australia gets behind this film because it would be great to have an action an action film that does well, and then we can then hopefully then can be more made. Um, for international, we've had a, a really good sales agent called uh, ArcLight Films, who released basically nearly all the big Australian films throughout the world, and Wolf Creek and everything else. Uh, so we showed a early cut at Cannes this year, and uh, that went down very well. So we've had lots of buyers um, waiting again, waiting for the the, the finished monster. Uh, Vietnam and Asia and Japan have already uh, have already bought it. So. Wow. I think Vietnam, it's getting a cinema release in September, so quite quite close. And then Japan's getting a full cinema release before Christmas, so that's very exciting. Um, that that all these countries have bought it for a cinema release, not just straight to DVD, which sometimes happens to Australian films. Yeah. Uh, and again, I think it's because of because of the monster. Um, so yeah, that's been all. It's been all exciting to see all that come through. We're going to have an LA screening. Uh, late September as well, and hopefully while I'm over there with that screening, we can invite all the buyers there's, there's like seven american buyers that are like all bidding on it right now so hopefully we can get them all in one room with an audience and hear everyone laugh and everything else and at the right places and hopefully we can you know, um yeah sell it there and get a release date set for america which would be great oh that'd be that'd be great yeah and i mean as a as a fan of these kinds of films as well it's you do i am aware that in america at least they they love these kinds of films and and they do have an affectionate uh you know the audience over there does have an affectionate place in their heart for these kinds of australian films uh wormwood for example and um the loved ones and stuff like that not saying that you know they're on the same level but that kind of uh actiony film in a way so um, yeah you know, yeah, hopefully, had, yeah. Sorry, you go. Yeah, that's okay. We we had um, uh, the writer uh, from Ganga, the the Aussie band Ganga Jang. Oh yeah, there on the night because we use hit uh, their song, the um, sounds of them in in the movie, um, and uh, he walked out and mentioned that he thinks it'll go really well in America because you know it's like it's such an Australian movie, but at the same time I didn't want to make it where it's like the Aussie bogan sort of Australians like. People still they just talk like you and I talk right now. We don't talk like Bogans, we just talk like Australians. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's like apart from the accents, like the rest of the film is like quintessential Australian. I've got the Australian songs, you know, um, you know, the Angels and uh Daryl Braithway, it's like all in this film, plus the plus the uh the locations, the, the the shots, the cinematography is such an Australian film, plus then there's monsters thrown into it, like everyone's saying that yeah, it should go pretty well in America, which is exciting. Oh, that is exciting. Well, I won't keep you for too much longer. I've just got a couple more questions. No, that's okay. Um, one of the things, uh, the news this week as well, that the the Actor Awards have announced their 24 feature films uh, that will compete for the, the best picture. How how was your reaction when you saw Red Billabong yeah. in the lineup? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those sort of surreal moments. Like, uh, it's it's great to be in there with all with all those other films, with all those other talented Australians. Um, there's a lot a lot of other films were made this year as well that, that didn't get the chance to be in there that I'd actually seen a, a few like um, Heath Davis's Broke yes. and a few Australian films that I was surprised that they weren't weren't there. But that's not to me. But uh, it's just great to be in the selection. Um, we'll see how we go with the actual nominations. But it was a, so one of the, it was one of those moments where you wake up and you think, okay, cool. Um, I didn't make this for critics or for awards. I made this for the audience um, to have fun with. 
but yeah, it's it's nice to nice to know that you've been acknowledged. I guess. That's great. It's it, it was a real like I always enjoy seeing the lists because it's nice to see films like Red Billabong, you know, alongside there and and I guess in Australia at least we possibly this is, might be because of how the amount of films that we do make, but. Um, you know the genre pictures do tend to get a little bit more well received in a way than internationally mm. awards wise I guess is the way of putting it so yeah, yeah. and, and we, we've, we've got some great technicians on this film that deserve to be nominated like the, the, the sound guys um, the sound is amazing you know, we had some, some guys who came over from Mad Max Fury Road as well to help out with Foley and everything else so the sound is amazing so I'd love to see guys like that um, who you know? There's not, as I said, there's not many other action films, you know, up for awards. You got, you know, the, the Rimwood guys and and then Gods of Egypt and Hacksaw Ridge for some reason. Yeah. I won't get into that. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah. you know, obviously those are, are much bigger films. So I hope they can sort of look at the merits of our film made on a on a budget of, you know, just on two million, which is an okay budget for Australia, but still you know, peanuts compared to American films. Um, so I'm hoping they can look at the merits of what we've created, you know, on a five-week shoot on a very sh- sh- in a very shoestring budget for this sort of film. So I hope that uh, the technicians of, of our film get get recognised. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. So because five, five weeks shooting this film was insane. I can imagine. <laughs> like absolutely, utterly insane. Um, I I would have liked obviously a lot more. We had it originally at six weeks, and our budget just wouldn't allow for that. So we had to literally cut it back to five. So I had like some of the stuff at the end of the sh- in the movie where I really needed more time to do things. I had like producers saying, you've got two takes here, Luke, and then you got to move on. And I was like, yeah, great. Thanks. That's going to be awesome. Um, so we got there in the end, but uh, it's kind of amazing to sit back and think it was shot in five weeks and we made a two, you know, just under two hour film with a big bloody monster. So yeah. <laughs> and, and now, you know, now that it's uh, hitting release, you can finally possibly uh, sit down and, and rest for a moment. I can imagine it's been a whirlwind couple of years of, of filming I'm and not, organizing it. I'm not going to rest until after the first weekend of release because, uh, you know, with any sort of film, the more you put in, the more you get out. Yes. So we're going to be you know, pushing the film on the first opening weekend because I really need people to go see it on the first weekend to show that it's got, got legs it's got somewhere to go, so I'm just going to be, you know, if there's like four people in our production office. I mean, that's all the people that have helped make this movie for the last year, apart from the post-production guys. Four people running the entire publicity campaign and everything else. So it's we're working 24/7, you know, every day up until that, after that opening weekend. So uh, yeah, <laughs> no rest for the wicked. That's it. Um, so I, I, you know, even though you're you're exceptionally busy at the moment, have you? thought about what you might be tackling next or you're just yep. focusing on this right now no no I've, a couple of months back started the year sort of thing it was all just about the, the visual effects guys needing months and months and months on the budget that we gave them to work on this creature so i had some time to you know work on my next you know slate or whatever you you will uh until recently where it started to ramp up and then i've had to sort of put that aside and focus back on this and then move back to that one afterwards so my next one i really want to shoot is an action film again an action film uh in in melbourne at uh, i would love to have cameras rolling by the end of the year i do have some offers uh on the table to direct some other films so we'll see what happens one of them is actually over in perth so i might might come over there and, and, and do something uh 
so we'll see, we'll see what happens. But my next particular film, whether I direct someone else's script, I'll, remains to be seen at the moment. But um, my next film, yeah, I really want it to be an action uh, thriller, sort of in the vein of Taken cool. with, with Liam Neeson. So it's that sort of thing. And at the end of that movie, there's a whole huge, whole huge, another whole huge action piece, which I won't get into. But, yeah, I just keep writing these big pieces and everyone's like, Luke, stop it. Stop it. Too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, don't stop it. Don't stop it at all. We- and then... And then next year, hopefully, I can come back to the 34th Battalion, the World War One epic, yeah. um, and get that done out before the end of 2018, I guess, maybe, uh, for the 100th anniversary of the end of World War One. I. I would love to sort of, not that I need it to be around a particular anniversary, but it would be nice to do something within the 100th year um, um, going on. But that film is like, you know, like a huge budget. Um, but I would love to... I've got meetings lined up in, in LA and that, so hopefully we can get that across the line soon as well. Well, fingers crossed, because you know Australia does need more of these kinds of action films and and you know different different genre films. And I'm not saying that in the sense that you know drama films aren't great or anything like that. Absolutely, of love course. Them. Yeah, exactly. But it's nice to have a bit of variety. Yeah, um, exactly. And then maybe I can do Red Billabong too. Yes, <laughs> that would be lovely. I would, I would, I would look forward to seeing that because it's nice to see um, sequels getting made as well in Australia. It's uh, the brand recognition, I guess, is the way of putting it. Yeah. yeah well, well, like I said, I've, I had to chop a bunch of the script out, so I've got them all sitting there, my notes. And if I do get, if I'm lucky enough that people get behind this film and we get to make a sequel, the sequel even be even more crazy than this one. And it's actually really exciting. And to be honest, I've been tinkering with some treatment notes because our sales agent asks for you know a five-page red bill one two of what would you do if you if you got it and if it goes well and i gave it to him the other day and i was actually so excited about it i was like well you know what i'm gonna make this film no matter what now because i'm (laughs) i got a passion for these characters and to see where they go next is really cool so i'd like to show that to australia as well oh great yeah i certainly uh would look forward to seeing that and it sounds like you've you've certainly got a, a great plan ahead of you for for making films in Australia, which is really exciting. And yeah, yeah so fingers crossed it all goes well. Um, one of the things I do like to ask the guests on the show is uh, basically regarding Australian cinema, if there's an Australian film that you would recommend besides Red Billabong for people to seek out. Putting on the spot here. <laughs> As in like my favourite Australian film? It doesn't have to be your favourite, just uh, pretty much any Australian film that you think that you know, people might not have seen or that you wish that you had an audience that, uh, you know, you oh, want geez. people to seek out. Here I am putting on the spot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I should be all all Australian films ready to go with all these questions with this film because I don't know, it's hard because I'm, I'm such a, such a 80s, 90s American film fanboy that uh, I, I don't get out to Australian films much, which it, sounds really bad. It but, doesn't um, have to be recent. It can be... It can be as old as whatever. It's not a problem. Oh, look, I mean, I have to go with, like, I have to go with, uh, it's a probably not well-known film these days, but uh, a movie called The Light Horseman. Oh, yeah. Um, about, yeah. About, about the World War One light horse. Uh, I thought that was a really underrated film. Uh, when it, like, it was a big, again, in the 80s of that, um, you know all those Australian films like Razorback, and that was coming out, and it's a pretty epic film uh, for the 1980s uh, in terms of action and uh, and um, historical accuracy. So I always felt that it didn't get it the the praise it deserves. You know, we always go on about the film 
Gallipoli with Mel Gibson mm. uh, as an Australian war film, but I actually think The Light Horseman is 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 much better. Sure. Uh, so plus, plus and, and then of course my favourite Australian film ever is Mad Max Two. So. Well, that's a that's a fair pick. Yeah, that's understandable. I actually haven't seen Light Horseman, so it's um, it's certainly I'm, I'm going to add onto my list of films that I need to to track down and watch, and. I'm sure that if you know when you get around to doing uh, your your war film, it'll be a bit of an inspiration for you in that in that regard. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm looking forward to, as I'm saying, to seeing Red Billabong when it hits uh, in a couple of weeks. Um, and certainly, uh, we we have a few international listeners, so please, international listeners, do check out Red Billabong when it comes to your neck of the woods. I really appreciate please do. it. Please do. I appreciate it as well. <laughs> so thanks, um, Luke, again. Yeah, okay. yeah. Do you and have I'm... anything else you want to add before we wrap up? Uh, no, just uh, everyone get out there and support the film. <laughs> just, <laughs> that's all I'm doing now is just uh, the film's out, so I'm just down to like begging people, <laughs> just walking down the street with flyers, begging people to go to the movies. Um, no, just yeah. Please, please support the action film. Not 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 just for myself, but all, all the crew and cast who who, who work so hard. Uh, on it, uh, it's great to see, as you said before, talent that hasn't been seen before that is really good talent. Um, so yeah, I'm just excited for everyone to see it and check out the advanced screening list on our website. You mentioned Perth coming up. Um, I'll, I'll be over there, and and some of the cast are coming over. So uh, yeah, it's always good to watch a film and then have the cast right there to talk to and grab a photo and that. And we're giving away the the, the little comic book at the beginning of the film as well, which is funny. Um, the official pre the official prequel comic book. It's only very small, but uh, just a little giveaway that we're doing. So uh, yeah, so come along to those advanced screenings and uh, see the film on the national release. If you can't see it, see it then. Yes, definitely do. Thank you very much again. I appreciate it. That's okay. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Last New Wave. Make sure to hit up the website redbillabongmovie.com to find out more about where you can check out the film Red Billabong. And you can follow me on Twitter at The Last New Wave or on Facebook at The Last New Wave. And also hit up abfilmreview.com for written reviews and other episodes of the main podcast, AB Film Review. Till then, see you on the next episode of The Last New Wave. Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to oscastnetwork.com for details.